Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in Cube Show Podcast, college football podcast. It comes to you on Sundays because we need more college football content on Sundays. Going to give you two spring football previews today. Technically, three SEC teams starting spring practice this week, one of those being Florida. I think we're going to push Florida to next week because that's going to take a bigger chunk of time. And I want to get Missouri and Vanderbilt in today and just kind of give you my expectation, what I'm watching, what we need to see, what we need to learn about these teams. That's going to be coming throughout the course of this spring practice. So we'll uh, we'll get to that and talk about that. We've got some coaching news we want to get to today. I did study a couple of transfers, but they actually fall in line with the teams that we're going to preview today. So got a young man, offensive lineman out of Eastern Michigan at Missouri we're going to talk about. And then we'll talk about Jay Garcia, quarterback from Miami as well, that is going to be transferring into Missouri. I think both can help. We'll tell you why. We'll tell you how throughout the course of this show. Get to some news. First and foremost, we always like to keep you up to date with what's happening, kind of give you our thoughts on certain things taking place. Alabama announces Robert Bala is going to be their linebacker coach. Now, this was going to be Austin Armstrong, most likely. He's now the D coordinator at Florida. So we'll discuss him in a little bit further next week when we give you our Florida spring preview of things that we're watching there with that group. Um, I didn't know a ton about him. And that's somewhat rare that there are guys that are moving around the SEC from a coaching perspective that I either haven't had experience with, hadn't really been around, don't really know a ton about, uh, but I hadn't really heard a lot about him. Uh, So I reached out to a few people that had been around him and heard great things, heard really good things. And then Greg McElroy and I had Hugh Freeze, the Auburn head coach on our show in Birmingham, McElroy and Kublik in the morning this week. And I figured this would be a great chance to ask him about him because he was on Hugh's staff at Liberty last year. And Hugh raved about this guy, said he was actually jealous that Coach Saban was able to land him. He was trying to get him. Saban called Coach Freeze before he interviewed him and asked him about him. Freeze said, listen, if you can hire him, hire him. I'm going to try to hire him. I'm not sure if I can make it happen just yet, but had great things to say about him. Just energy, communicator, recruiting, and teacher of the game. So sounds like Nick Saban is getting a good, young, energetic coach to be plugged right in there with his linebackers. Uh, there are some speculations that Sal Sinceri could potentially end up at Colorado uh, with Charles Kelly, also from that Alabama staff on the defensive side of the football. And remember what we talked about. Now, they replaced one with Kevin Steele, but there were seven defensive coordinators, or there were seven coaches who had served as a defensive coordinator on that Alabama staff last year. And Sal Sincere would be another one that's moving on. They would not be on that staff now. Not that it really matters. There's still plenty of brain power as it comes to defensive football that's going to be on that Alabama staff either way this season. Uh, but interesting to see how Robert Bala affects things and what he does. Also coming out of the combine, not sure if you guys caught uh, guys like DJ Dale, Henry Toa, Will Anderson, uh, Battle, and a couple of others talking about Pete Golding. Some pretty positive comments coming out of the combine with the things that they said about Pete and kind of what he was, what he did, and what they thought of him. So 
some coaching news at Auburn as well. Joe Bernardi is going to be going to be the offensive line coach at Troy. He was kind of the um, kind of the assistant offensive line coach, um, a little bit of an analyst role. But what two offensive line coaches do and and does I try to explain this previously is that it allows either one side of the line or just your tackles or a tackle in a guard group to go with one coach and then the rest of the groups goes with another coach. So you're you're basically doubling your reps. Uh, a lot of times in individual periods, it's you know, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. It's rep, 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 down, and then you do it again with the twos. Or you know, it's left tackle, left guard, work together. Center, left guard, work together. Or center, right guard, work together. Right guard, right tackle, work together. Well, now you have two separate groups. You really maximize your reps, and you maximize your coaching. Well, Joe Levin doesn't really help, and he's done great. Uh, with some of the guys that he's been around, and he's going to be a good one for Troy. And obviously, going to coach for John, he's you're going to have to be hard headed if you're going to go down, or, or at least tough mentally, physically, if you're going to go coach for him, because that's how he's going to run his football team. But the good news for Auburn here is Kendall Simmons finally gets to call up, and he's been working in a similar role anyway. But now he will work next to Jake Thornton as sort of the other guy when it comes to the Auburn offensive line. This is a massive move. Kendall's been busting his ass trying to become an offensive line coach. He had conversations with multiple Power 5 schools and group of five schools about potential. I had most people call me and ask me about Kendall. Uh, So there has been interest in bringing him to just be the offensive line coach at multiple places. Now he's going to be there helping those guys on a daily basis. This is a young man that's got two Super Bowl rings, one of the best offensive linemen in the history of Auburn football. So to be able to plug him in right there, and the kids love him, He's an awesome human being. He's got an awesome family. They're rooted right there in Auburn, Alabama. So I, I just think this is a great move by Hugh Freeze, great move by Jake Thornton to move Kendall right up and start to allow him to be a little bit more hands-on with that Auburn offensive line on more of a daily basis. Um, also, some other coaching news. LSU kind of moving some guys around. Uh, special teams coach, uh, Coach Polian is going to go kind of behind the scenes and really be more of a in a management role now with NIL and things than you know transfer portal you got to have guys that are managing rosters and of course his dad was managing NFL rosters so he's got that experience he knows how to handle it and manage it John Jancic's going to come in coordinate the special teams work with the outside linebackers also Bob Diaco longtime defensive coordinator going to be an analyst on defense for LSU so I like that Brian Kelly is staying aggressive staying forward thinking with his staff of all right, let's move somebody here that can maybe, yeah, they're great here, but they can be a bigger help here. And we're going to bring more people in just to be able to add ideas, watch things from a different perspective in a different way. So big fan of what Brian Kelly's doing with his staff in maintaining the continuity, but at the same time, adding different people to bring you different fresh ideas. As you guys know, each and every week, we're brought to you by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. Don't forget about that Wickles Pickles sandwich spread either. You can pick that up in your local grocery store. Giant bottle of pickles gone, but we still have that. And we're going to talk to you about Wickles Pickles. Wickedly delicious each and every week because we love them and you will love them when you try them. Go to the website if you need to order them for yourself and they're not in your local grocery store as well. You're going to want to pick them up and you're going to want to put them on everything. All right. Missouri. Spring preview of the Missouri Tigers. Six and seven a year ago. I don't want to say did not necessarily meet expectations, but maybe not quite what we thought they were going to be. Looked like they were going to ramp up after the Georgia game when they challenged Georgia at home. Had multiple chances to get that game. Listen, you had a star receiver that was unhappy and, and maybe caused some problems in the locker room. Uh, you know, you had some quarterbacks going back and forth. You had a couple guys dinged up in fall camp. 
Your offensive line gets banged up early on, so you had to move some of those guys around. And you make some some moves in the offseason I think are going to be interesting. Obviously, you're, you're bringing in more quarterbacks. Uh, Jay Garcia comes in from Miami. Studied his game a little bit. I'll tell you something about that when we talk about the actual quarterbacks. You bring in offensive tackle Marcellus Johnson from Eastern Michigan. Another young man that I like. But I think the other good news here is like you, you take a slot receiver that's going to transfer to Georgia that was a big help to your team. Did a lot for your team. I think it's a massive loss. But that's a position that I think Missouri could kind of afford to lose some guys, uh, especially when you're bringing in another one in Theo Weiss from Oklahoma. So what happens at that spot? First and foremost, wide receiver. Luther Burns going to move to the slot. Luther Burton, big-time talent, uh, a guy that can make plays. He's proved he can make plays. Now in the slot, he'll become more of the go-to receiver. He can be force-fed the football just a little bit more, and they can do it in different ways. And you saw that with Dominic Lovick last year. So he'll take over that role. Weiss gives you a bigger body, 6'3", 205, so he can sort of be your ex and be outside and help the quarterbacks down the field, 50-50 balls, whatever that is, back shoulders, and he can be a bit of an eraser, a different style receiver. Uh, so the receiver numbers aren't terrible. I don't feel bad about that. Uh, I, I think when you look at this team and the, how banged up the offensive line was early, how does that deal kind of, I guess, address itself? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, this Marcellus Johnson kid from Eastern Michigan can play. Um, he's big. He's got a good frame at about 305, 310-ish, and moves well. He's very athletic. Change of direction is solid. Uh, I think he's somebody who has decent body control occasionally he gets a little bit a little bit out of whack and and probably uh like leans forward a little bit too much he can be a bit of a backbender he gets his feet together at times but some technical stuff that i do think could be cleaned up and if so you you probably have the best tackle returning in the sec in javon foster uh now there are some younger tackles that people might project out to be better than him down the road but as far as what's been proven on the field in their career i think foster's the best tackle coming back in the sec so You've got Foster on the left side. You're going to be able to bump Marcellus Johnson over to the right side if you need to. And actually, I don't think he's too big to play guard. He's got good length, but because of that flexibility and lack of it, I, 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 he might be able to move down to guard and help you there as well. But he plays hard. He's hard-nosed. He's got good physicality. He's pretty strong the way he moves people off the point of attack. So that's a young man coming in from the MAC that could help this Missouri football team. And I'm very interested to see Offensive coordinator Kirby Moore and kind of what he does with this group because I didn't really anticipate Eli Drinkwitz turning this thing over. I mean, he runs his offense. He's called his place for a long time. He's admitted he understands that the time constraints are just a little bit too much right now, and he wants somebody who can come in and run the show. Now you go look at the Fresno offenses over the last few years with Jay Kaner, and then look what uh, those coaching staffs done when they left there and went to Washington. Michael Penix Jr. led the nation in passing last year. Kirby Moore's kind of been around that. So I'm interested to see what he adds and maybe what he subtracts because you go back and you look at what Eli did, you're going to have tempo at different points in time. You're going to run the outside zone. The stretch plays basically what you're going to be built off of. You'll boot off that. You'll play action off that. You'll RPO off that. That spreads the defense out. You get your run lanes and your cutback lanes. You're going to cut the backside, which everybody pissed their pants about Georgia and it wasn't an illegal block. It's the way it's taught. So you've got those things going for you. Now, What is does he want to go under center a little bit more? Uh, does he want to go even faster? Um, you know, will there be more quick throws? A lot of that may depend on the quarterback and what the quarterback's capable of. Most offensive coordinators that are worth anything in today's day and age of football are going to tell you, well, we build our offense around what we have and our talent. So what is the talent at quarterback right now? Well, Brady Cook had shoulder surgery. 
And I, I've said, I thought he came on a little bit late last year, did some nice things with his legs. He can push the ball down the field. I think he gets a, a little bit sporadic in the pocket at times, feels pressure a little bit early. And then that's where you see you know, some of the accuracy break down. But he's got a chance to grow throughout the offseason. And Sam Horn's out there playing baseball. He's coming out of the bullpen throwing 90-something. Um, so he's not going to be out there the entire time in the spring. And he came out of a baseball game, so we know how limited he's going to be moving forward. And then you got Jay Garcia, who's transferring in from Miami, who's kind of your only scholarship quarterback that's really doing everything in the spring. Now I went back and watched Jay at Miami. There's lots of like. He can, he can get the ball down the field. He throws a nice deep ball. I think he's got a pretty quick release. He doesn't have a ton of wow to him, but you know, he's got a big frame, nice frame. We know the bloodlines, obviously. And he's somebody who has a strong enough arm to be able to do all of it. I think this is going to come down probably to who has the best grasp of the offense. I don't think there's going to be a big difference in any of those three in throwing the football. Brady will give you a, a big advantage over Jake as far as mobility is concerned. I don't have a great feel of what Sam Horn's going to give you from a mobility perspective, but Brady Cook can move and he can utilize his legs and break a defense down with his legs. And that's going to help you add some things offensively in what you're going to be able to call and how you're going to force a defense to defend you, which is big. So I, it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't think there's going to be a decision after spring because you're going to need to see some of those other guys get more reps. Sam's not going to get all of them. Brady's not going to get really any. He probably won't be throwing full speed until June. So this is going to go into the fall. But we'll have a good idea, maybe a better idea of what the offense is going to look like, how the offense is going to be. That spring game, I think it's the first SEC spring game, so we'll see that. It'll have a better idea. We'll break down all the spring games the weeks after they happen here on the show, just like we do all the film on Sundays during the season. And if you didn't catch us during the, the college football season, we go X's and O's film breakdown of every SEC game, and we tell you what you see every single Sunday. So we're going to bring that to you. We'll do the same thing through spring ball. So if there's a spring game or two or whatever that is, April the 12th or some 15th where there's like nine games, we'll blast through them, we'll get to them, and we'll break those down and let you know what we see. From a Missouri perspective, though, on that offensive line, we told you you got a tackle coming in that can help and a tackle that's already there that can help. You lose Connor Wood, you lose Zeke Powell, but there's a lot back that I think can still help. I don't think that group is, is going to be a liability or a problem at all. I don't have a lot of concerns about that group. Pass pro's got to get better for sure. Run game, I thought, was solid for the majority of the year. And then when you look at the running backs, Cody Schrader comes back. Nathaniel Pete comes back. So you've got different style backs that have been really good for this Missouri team for a while that I think are going to be able to help you and help you in different ways. I'm just interested to see all the bodies and where they are. Burden in the slot, Weiss on the outside, and then you know, kind of what happens at tight end, really. I don't know if there's going to be more or less than that with Kirby Moore taking over. Don't have a great feel for exactly where that's going to go. But I know Eli's still going to have his his fingerprints on the offense, and I love Eli's design. I love the way he builds his offense. And with some of the talent that's been added, I think Missouri could surprise some folks, but it's the other side of the ball is why I really think that might be able to take place. Because you really lose two defensive ends and a safety off this defense, and Blake Baker did an amazing job with that group last year. So you have an abundance of talent at defensive tackle returning. I think Darius Robinson is going to play some defensive end in the spring, see how he does outside, because they just have so many bodies inside, it's not been as much of a problem. Now, DJ Coleman gone, Isaiah McGuire gone, they both hit the portal. They both helped a lot, and those were players up front. We've talked about it through a lot of last season that that Missouri defensive line was a problem for a lot of people. Penetrating, disrupting, 
cutting through double teams, getting to the backfield, forcing balls out early. And even if the numbers from a TFL or SAC perspective don't add up to a lot of other people's, that group was disruptive consistently. And now Blake Baker's design helped that as well. And so I think being back in Blake's defense year two, you're going to have a really nice feel for where to be, how to do it, how to operate. And he may be able to add even more to a group that was already able to handle a lot. Linebacker core, all returns. And on that back end, you're at least going to add Travez Johnson out of Florida, who may fill right in there for Martez Manuel. Martez was a communicator. He's a leader. Uh, he was solid on the back end of that Missouri defense when he was healthy. So that's going to be another big loss. But most of that defense is intact. So I kind of look at Missouri and think to myself, can this group expand past what they were a year ago? And I, and honestly, I, I think it's feasible. I think it's possible. Both these teams we're going to talk about today have something very similar in their schedules. They've got to stack up wins early. Have to, must, to be bowl eligible and to maybe get past where people think you're going to go. Missouri, obviously, when you go look at just kind of how they're going to open up, they have got Kansas State. They've got LaTeX. They got Abilene Christian. And then, you know, obviously teams that they're going to be able to find a way to knock off and find a way to get wins against early. The back end of the schedule is is just, I mean, it's it's nasty. I don't, I don't know another way to, to say it. I don't know another way to tell you. They're going to have to find a way to get some wins early. And I think it's feasible. So it goes South Dakota. Middle Tennessee, Kansas State, Memphis, that one's in St. Louis, I believe, at the Dome. Then you're at Vanderbilt. So you find you got to find a way to get the majority of those. Kansas State going to be tough. Memphis going to be tough. Uh, at Vandy, we'll talk about Vandy here in a minute, maybe a little bit different than people think. The back end of that schedule goes LSU, at Kentucky, at South Carolina, at Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, at Arkansas. Now, I do think Florida, November 18th in Como, massive advantage there. But you're going to have to find a way, and there's going to be some, we're going to have this conversation later in this offseason about coin flip teams in the SEC this year, like Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky. There's a lot of teams in the league that I really do believe could go either way because they have a player or two that says they should be an eight or nine win team, but they don't have the depth that follows that up. And they have the schedule that doesn't really look like it's going to allow it. We'll get to that another day. So I think when you look at this team, what they added in the portal, yeah, they had a, a lot of guys go in, but there's a there's a, a large nucleus that has played that's going to be able to help this team. The O-line should be fine. Running back position is going to be solid. You have numbers on the defensive line. And it, even though you don't have numbers at edge, and as far as edge rushers, you have a defense that's aggressive that can add that and help bring that with some of the other things that you do have. Linebackers who can make plays and be able to get to the backfield, good blitzers. So... Blake Baker will be fine there. I, as of right now, heading into the spring, I would anticipate Missouri to go past six wins, get past what they had a year ago. We'll, obviously, there's going to be another portal cycle. We need to see injuries, get through spring, get through fall. So we'll find out all about that a little bit later. But oh, there's things that are looking good for Missouri heading into the spring. Quarterback is just going to be the, the biggest part of it, in my opinion. Who's it going to be? What are they capable of? And what does it allow that offense to be under Kirby Moore in his first year? We're also brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans. Don't forget that. BlueDeltaJeans.com, the most comfortable jeans you will ever purchase in your life. Customized jeans for you. They're going to fit exactly the way you need. If you're like me, weird body type, big, husky, whatever, they can get those for you. They're going to look dressy enough to wear to a nice dinner or a nice event, or 
You can dress them down, be casual, whatever it is, but you're not going to want to ever have another pair of jeans. I promise you, bluedeltajeans.com. Go check them out for yourself. Get fitted today and get into a pair of those. All right, Vanderbilt. Spring football underway for the Commodores. And it's it, it wasn't really a crazy offseason in the portal, but some of what you lost I do think is big. Malik Langham gone off that front seven. Elijah McAllister gone off that front seven. Ray Davis gone at tailback. Uh, you're also going to lose Rocco Griffin at tailback. That's the biggest concern for me right now with Vanderbilt when I look at what they lost and what they're going to have coming in. But before we do that, I, I just want to say this quickly about Vandy because we're going to talk about them in a lot of different ways. We're going to preview the spring, what they have, what they don't have, what they need. Honestly, though, five and seven last year, you're playing Tennessee at home with a chance to be a bowl eligible at the end of the year. None of us thought that was possible. Zero. No one. There were people talking about, would this team get to three wins last year? So give Clark Lee and his staff credit for what they've done. I know five and seven is not really going to wow anyone. We're not going to look at five and seven and say, oh, man, that's an amazing game. You know, it's well amazing win. Five and seven, heck of a year. We don't celebrate five and seven. My point is they are ahead of schedule. And with a little bit of a different mindset and a shift in recruiting philosophy since his staff has come in, We'll see kind of what it looks like in this upcoming season. We'll get to the schedule at the end of this, but as far as the spring is concerned, quarterback first and foremost, not near as problematic as what we just mentioned with Missouri because it's not going to be as different. A.J. Swan's back. When he was healthy, he was the guy. And I know Mike Wright and what he did early, and he was running around, and he did some good things. I'm interested to see what he's going to be at Mississippi State because I don't even really know Number one, what that offense is going to look like. And then two, what his role is going to be. We'll find out later. We'll get to that, obviously, after State starts practice. But you got A.J. Swan, who is the guy. That's who they believed in last year. That's who they wanted to be. And we had the Alabama game last year. And I talked to Clark Lee on the field right before the game. And I said, you know, is Mike going to get red zone short yardage reps? Do you bring him in? Do you have a package for him? He's like, listen, I believe in having a quarterback, a guy who can lead the way and be the one. And he said, that's what we're going to do. And they wanted AJ to be that guy. You know, he had some injuries and had a couple of interceptions at different points in time. So they still played both later in the year, but AJ Swan's got the goods. Throws a beautiful ball. He, he gets it out quick. He has kind of sneaky mobility, understands how to manipulate the pocket. He can be a great SEC quarterback. Going to need some help. Don't know if he has everything on this roster to give him that help right now, but he can be a great quarterback. The other part of this is keep in mind, Ken Seals is still on this team. Ken Seals is a guy that got thrust into action a couple of years ago that when we watched him throw the ball, it's kind of like, whoa, where'd this kid come from? You know, recruited out of Texas, not a guy that was highly touted, throws a beautiful ball. He, my point is he's got skill. And even if he's not going to be the starter, if he sticks around, that's two quarterbacks with starting experience that can make plays and make throws in this league that gives them a big boost. Back to running back, though, with what we talked about. That's the part that concerns me because I've said it. You've heard me say it. I think Ray Davis was maybe the most underrated player in the Southeastern Conference last year. Watching him run the football with the help that he had, it was fascinating to see. I think he's going to be a big help for Kentucky. Uh, Patrick Smith, Chase Gillespie, I don't, I don't really know. Do you get a freshman who comes in and helps? Maybe. The offensive line's not good enough to just be plug and go at tailback. It's not. Now, the scheme will help it a little bit. They'll widen the surface with tight ends. We'll get to that in a second. But they, and you got a quarterback that can stretch the field, but you're just not going to be able to say, all right, this offensive line operates this way. These are the bodies we have. Plug and go at tailback and we'll be good. It's not going to work for Vanderbilt. They're not to that level yet. 
What they will have, though, is a group of receivers that's going to be able to offset some of that and help these quarterbacks. If it's A.J. Swan or whoever, but you get Will Shepard back. This is a kid had 60 catches, 776 yards, nine touchdowns last year. Big, physical, 6'3", 200. I mean, he almost looks like a tight end. He can help you down the field. He can be an eraser. He can make plays. That's a great starting point for this offense. You have your quarterback. Now you have your ex receiver, your big body guy that you know can help out in a lot of different ways. Also last year, Jaden McGowan as a freshman caught 44 balls. So I think the numbers at receiver are okay. I think they're fine. The offensive line, can they improve? That's a concern. Who is in at running back? And can they make up as much ground as that group did at different times last year? I don't know the answer to that. One of the things I want to watch that I'll be watching most closely this spring at Vanderbilt. And then the tight end position. This is kind of going to be a reoccurring theme for a lot of spring previews because there have been some really good tight ends the last few years and more teams are going to 12 and 13 personnel. So one back, two tight ends, to one back, three tight ends. You better have some on your roster. And if you don't, you're just not going to be able to be as multiple as you want and you're not going to be as difficult to defend, plain and simple. Now, you can have different body types. You can have your old H-back, fullback guy that's technically a tight end. Or you can have your big, tall, lean, you know, move guy like Fairweather at Auburn that we talked about last week just coming in from FIU. But you better have some. And what this team had last year were two damn good ones. Ben Bresnahan and Gavin Schoenwald. Then you're going to go look at the numbers and say, they didn't catch 60 balls. They didn't catch 30 balls. They didn't have 11 touchdown catches. They didn't. That's not what made them great. They helped widen the surface, which opened up running lanes, and they were really good blockers. I mean, both those guys had some shit to them last year. And I think that brought a different attitude, a different demeanor, and it helped in a lot of ways. That is a big point of emphasis for me with this football team. Who are going to be the next guys in line at tight end for Vanderbilt? Cole Spence, Justin Ball. I I don't know. I hadn't seen a ton of reps from the guys that are supposed to be next at that spot for Vanderbilt. So could be a problem. Front seven, lot back on defense, but you, you lose some key players. Now, Malik Langham, don't know what's going to happen with him in the portal. He's in uh, North Alabama defensive lineman that has done some good things. Elijah McAllister's transferring to Auburn edge defender. I, I don't think I don't see him as a difference maker. I've, I said this when we previewed Auburn. I'll say it with Vanderbilt. I don't think it's a massive loss, but it was a body that had played and knew the defense, knew the structure that could have helped in different ways. So you also have Owosu and Anthony Orgy that are going to be gone. I think they combined for close to nine tackles for loss last year. Guys who helped. But there are players back at all three levels. Now they understand the defense. They understand the structure a little bit more. And I also think after you know the first full or maybe in the first two full years of a new coach, it's okay to, to get even guys that had a little bit of production for you out. Because it just continues the buy-in and it continues guys that have been around it longer and understand it better. And I think that's another part of what we're going to see with Vanderbilt this upcoming season. All that being said, what does that mean it's going to look like? Now, quarterback's going to have to stay healthy because that was a problem last year, but you may have two that can be close to how you want to operate. Receiving core looks like it could be pretty good. The O-line's got a lot of reps back, but they didn't play great football last year, so I'm not going to automatically assume that's going to be 95 Nebraska. Could be better, might not be better. Better find some tight ends no matter what on this roster, or you're not going to be able to get to where you did a year ago. Five and seven. A damn good year based on what a lot of people thought. So can they get past that? Hawaii, Alabama, AM, Wake Forest, 
without an elite quarterback right out of the gate, and then you're at UNLV. Got to get those. You got to get them. Plain and simple. I'm going to say you got to get all four of them. Uh, at Wake could be tough. Vanderbilt should get that game. I, I think they should get it. Yeah, going to the desert, UNLV, after you just went up to Wake, it's tough, but you're, you're more talented than UNLV, believe it or not. Yes, you are. You should win that game. Then things get a little bit different. Kentucky, Missouri, at Florida, Georgia, at Ole Miss, Auburn, at South Carolina, at Tennessee to wrap it up. But go back to what we just said a minute ago about some of the coin flip games. I know we hear a lot of those games and we say, oh, that's a loss. That's a loss. This is a team that got Florida last year and got Kentucky last year. I know they weren't competitive against Tennessee late, but whatever. You go back and look at what's Auburn really going to be? We don't know. What's Ole Miss going to be? Don't really know. What's South Carolina going to be? Elite quarterback, elite receiver? Yes, but does that mean elite team? Yeah. I don't know. On the road, tough place to play, but don't know what those teams are going to look like. Don't know exactly what Missouri's going to look like. We just spent 20 minutes talking about them. Uh, Florida, same thing. And even though it's on the road, that game always feels like it's a little bit weird anyway. And now that could be a game that you actually go out and get. So, I, I mean, I'm, I have some weird excitement around Vanderbilt this spring based on everything that's back, based on who looks like they're going to be healthy. However, you have to asterisk that with some key losses. Running back, the front seven, just a couple veterans that have made plays, been around, and helped that football team for a very long time. So, But I'm, optimi- I'm an optimist when it comes to Vanderbilt. I think that they're... I feel good about them potentially moving past five and seven from a year ago, getting bowl eligible. They're just going to need a couple teams on the back end to not necessarily go past the expectations, maybe fall a little bit short, and they've got to stack those wins early, man. I think both these teams, I think Vanderbilt and Missouri, have got to stack up wins early on and then just kind of hold on for dear life, hope there's a team or two that's not what we thought they were, make a couple of plays, Go steal one on the road or get one at home that can help you become bowl eligible. So both those teams going in spring ball right now. We'll continue all of our spring previews. Florida gets underway this weekend, so we'll have them next week. Not sure if we're going to add a team to that or not because Florida's going to take some time. There are a lot of shit going on there. So we'll try to break it all down, talk to you all about it. Don't forget about Wickles Pickles, Wickedly Delicious, Blue Delta Jeans, BlueDeltaJeans.com. Thank you for sponsoring us each and every week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I'm told the numbers are good. We need more subscribers. We need more people watching, but feel really great about everybody who's jumping on board. We get great feedback at Cube Show on Twitter, at Cube Show on Instagram. Please go follow us there. Uh, it's at Cube Show 61, I believe, on YouTube, but you can just search Cube Show, Cold Cubic, whatever. Please subscribe to that one as well and keep watching. Tell your friends about it because we're going to bring you college football content every single Sunday right here on Cube Show.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.